The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you are the cornerstone and that you are the king of all kings. And so we just lift this time up to you and we pray that you teach our hearts and empower Randall to give our sermon today. Amen. Hey, good morning, Grace City. I hope that you're doing well, that you're staying safe, and that this next week you have just a great Thanksgiving, just praising God for all the great things that he's brought in our lives. Um, Today, we're going to be continuing in the book of Acts, and we're looking at Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. And today's message is entitled, A New Way to See the World. And so as we start today, I want to ask you, how do you view the world? Not too long ago, I was with a friend, we were grabbing some coffee, and we had this short conversation with a barista that was making the coffee. Uh, We started to talk about the pandemic and just how it's affecting all of us. And one of the comments that was made was like, man, I can't wait to get rid of these masks. And the barista said, you know, me too. I I just think that we should get rid of the masks as is right now and just kind of let nature take its course. And the people who it affects, it affects. And those who it doesn't, it doesn't. And when I heard that worldview or that perspective, it was a, a little shocking to me. It took, it took me back a little bit. Because basically what he's saying, and this is what he said, was it's survival of the fittest. Now for me as a Christian, I believe that God has created every human being with dignity and worth. And, um, and it's not like that, right? It's not like this survival of the fittest type of mentality. But for him, as somebody who didn't seem to proclaim God as his savior or even align with the beliefs of Christianity, he was living out his belief system. He really did view the world in that way. Now, Richard Niebuhr, who wrote Christ and Culture, says this, Everyone has some kind of philosophy, some general worldview which to men of other views will seem mythological. It's almost shocking at times when we hear views or perspectives that really don't fit into our worldview. And for those of us who are Christians, our worldview is not shaped by what we think, but what God's word says. 
See, my worldview is I want to be in alignment with how God views the world. And so the church had this same dilemma because the church was born into this pluralistic society where there were competing views about life and Christianity came in and made these universal truth claims about what life is and about the world. And back then in the book of Acts and also now, there's much opposition to universal claims of truth. See, it can come across as smug or self-righteous to say that you have the truth. But at some level, everyone believes that they do have the truth. They believe something. And the question is, what do you believe? In 2019, Peter Weiner did an interview in The Atlantic with Timothy Keller about his worldview as a Christian. And this article was entitled, The Moral Universe of Timothy Keller. But as you started to dig in deeper, it wasn't the moral universe of Timothy Keller. It was the, really what the Bible said about the universe and how it's shaped. And he asked the question about, well, how does the Bible address evil in the world? And Keller took this perspective from what somebody who is an atheist would believe. He says, if there is no God, then evil and suffering and violence are perfectly natural. The weak are killed off, the stronger survive. That's the way the world is. There's no right and wrong. There, there's just what is. To believe that some things that happen are evil requires some supernatural standard of good. Something from outside of nature by which to judge the natural things that are naturally and, and which things are unnatural. But as Nietzsche says, there is nothing outside of nature. And so again, if there is no outside voice of what's good and what's evil, then really we're just left up to whatever we think is good and evil. But what we find in the Bible is that God defines what that is. See, we need outside truth. And what we need to understand is that the truth claims of Christianity are not our own. We didn't come up with them, but they're from God. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so if you want to find truth and you want to find what it is, it's found in a relationship with Jesus and who he says he is. See, the truth is in Jesus. And so what's our message in a pluralistic society? Well, there are three things that we can learn about the message of Christianity from today's text. And here's what we learned. The message is, number one, a clear message. Number two, from a greater authority. And number three, offers an unshakable foundation. It's a clear message. It's from a greater authority and offers an unshakable foundation. So the first one is a clear message. Look at verses one through four. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed. And the number of the men came to about 5,000. And so what we see here in verses 1 and 2 in the first part of 2 
it says that they were speaking to the people, teaching about Jesus. So Peter and John were teaching about Jesus. But then what we find is that the priests and the captains and the temple and the Sadducees started to gather around. And it says that they were greatly annoyed. Now this phrase for being greatly annoyed, the Greek word can also translate they were offended. They were offended about what was being taught and spoken about and that it had something to do with Jesus. See, now why were they so annoyed and offended? Well, first we need to understand this because the message at its heart, at its, at, at its central point wasn't about them. They weren't the ones teaching. They weren't at the center of it. And so they were offended by that. See, this message that was being preached was one that they had already rejected. It was one that they already tossed aside. They said, this isn't the truth. Again, this message was all about Jesus. And what this was, was a disruption to their order and their way of life. Now, here's the key to this, understanding this. Those annoyed, offended, they loved being the center of attention. And they loved being the center of attention so much that they didn't want God to be the center of attention, but they loved themselves being the center of attention. See, what is the root of sin and what it truly is? It's like that middle letter of sin, I. It's all about me. And what we find is that even though they were dressed up in this religiosity, all of these leaders, at the heart of their message and what they were all about was themselves. Now, John 12, 43, Jesus addressed this already with the leaders. And here's what it says about the leaders at the time of Christ. It says, for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. They just love to make it about themselves. And friends, it's, it wasn't just them that struggles with that, but it's also you and me. See, within our sinfulness, we love to make the message about us rather than about God. But the truth of the gospel is this, that it puts God at the center of the message and the center of our lives and the center of the universe because that's reality. That's the truth. See, we live in a God-centered universe and Peter and John understood this and that's what they were preaching. They were preaching a message that was filled with God. Verse three says, they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now, second, we, we need to understand this about the message and why it was so offensive. What we see is that the Sadducees were gathering around listening to this message. And it was offensive to them because it went against what they believed. You see, the Sadducees believed that there was no resurrection from the dead. And so Jesus' resurrection did not fit into their worldview. The way that they saw the world, it didn't fit. See, there will be universal truth claims that are found in Christianity that won't fit neatly or nice into your current worldview. It's going to push you. It's going, to, it's going to make you think. It's going to push you to a place where you feel a little bit uncomfortable. See, the message is clear. 
Jesus is God and he rose from the dead. And inherently, many times, there are those little parts of our heart in our sinful nature where we want to make the message about us. But at the heart of it, it's about God. And so the message is clear. But secondly, it's this, it's from a greater authority. Look at verses five through seven. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? And so they were asking, you know, how'd this man get healed? Like what name, what, what power did you do this that this lame man was healed? Now what's happening here? Well, we see the most powerful human authority coming together against Peter and John. The rulers, the elders, the scribes, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, all of the high priest family. This was a gathering of all the most powerful and educated theologians of their day. And they were putting two former fishermen on trial. People had no formal religious education. Later in verse 13, they would say that they were uneducated common men. See, the message that Peter and John were preaching was not their own. But the thing that made these rulers mad is that they didn't give the stamp of approval for them to be out there doing what they were doing. It was about control. It was about their authority. It was about their power more than it was about God. See, it didn't come from them. And so they were upset about that. But this message was set apart by God. And it came from God. This was God's message and preached with God's authority. You see, when, when Peter gives his response, and we're going to get into this, it says that he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. This was from God. And let's look at the last point, that this message offers an unshakable foundation. Look at verses 8 through 12. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there's salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And so first, as we look at this, we need to understand that Jesus had prepared his disciples for this. You see, he prepared them back in Luke 21, verses 12 through 15. He says this, he says, but before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. To bear witness. This is your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it therefore in your minds, not to meditate beforehand how to answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. 
Where did Peter, where did John get the wisdom to be able to share what they were sharing? How did they get this to this place where they could bear witness? It was that God gave them the words. He gave them the wisdom. You see, it's Jesus that is the unshakable foundation. And even as his disciples are being interrogated by the most powerful, probably intimidating human religious authority, they're unshakable because of the foundation that they're speaking from. It's all about Jesus. And so what was Peter's response? You see, it was this. As he's speaking, as he's talking about this, he's pointing it back to Christ. Look at verse 10. Let it be known to all of you, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. See, what he's pointing to is the fact of this, that in the hearts of the leaders and in the hearts of humanity, In our natural state, we've rejected Jesus. Jesus was rejected. And we talked about this a little bit last week. But God raised him from the dead. See, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. See, in your life, in my life, what we need to understand is this. If we want an unshakable foundation, it's not going to be you building it, you getting your act together, you doing what you do to make sure that your life works out. But it's coming to the one and only foundation that's worth building on. And that's Jesus Christ. Because next we need to understand this, that even though Jesus was rejected, he is now the cornerstone. He's the foundation. And it's that Jesus saves. Look at this, verse 12. I love this. Salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Again, there will be a lot of different ideas, competing philosophies that say this is what salvation looks like. This is what it looks like to to fix your life, to get on the right path, or even to get to heaven. Like, this is what it looks like. But all of those are projects for you to do. There are patterns of life that are saying, you can work your way to God. But what we see in Christianity and what we see in the gospel that makes it different from any other message is that God worked his way down to us. Right in the mess. Right in our sin. And meets us right there. And the perfect person of Jesus Christ, who was rejected, but raised by God. And that it says that salvation, if you, if you want salvation, if you want your life to, to, to have a new direction, it's that as you place your faith in Jesus, it says he makes you a new creation, makes you a new person, somebody that you could have never been. And that it's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. See, Jesus is the unshakable foundation that we need in our lives. And it's not just when we get saved, but it's every day of our lives. We, again, we don't ever get beyond the cross. We just get deeper into it. 
we just get deeper into understanding the grace in which God has had for us, the, the work of Jesus on the cross. And, and he just fills the gaps. It's through him. And so just some takeaways today as we think about, upon how this applies to us. The first one is this. Expect to be misunderstood. Expect to be misunderstood. What's happening to the disciples here is they're boldly proclaiming Jesus. Is they're, they're completely misunderstood. Like the religious leaders thought one way and they thought another way. But their ideas came not from themselves, but from God. And so when you claim to have the truth and you say, it's not mine, it's God's, you need to remember that it's, it comes back to God every time. The only truth I have is from God. It's His. And what we need to understand is there's, there's going to be opposition to this. There's going to be people saying, well, I don't agree with that. And do we have the humility to say, you know what? That's okay. It took me a while too to get it. But by God's grace, this is where I'm at. And I'm learning and I'm growing. And I'm willing to be misunderstood. But I trust that Jesus is who he says he is. And he said that he's the way, the truth, and the life. And so expect to be misunderstood. I think that's the thing that rocks us sometimes as Christians. Like we just don't get that. And then it just shakes our faith and we're like, what's going on? It's like, no, you're going to be misunderstood. That's just a part of the Christian life. Secondly, plant seeds and don't give up. See, here's the thing. It takes time. And what we see is that Peter and John shared the message of Jesus and people started placing their faith in Jesus. See, it's simply sharing the gospel as God presents the opportunity. And so there were people that were hearing this and they were coming, becoming Christians. God was saving them right on the spot. Here's the thing, your responsibility and my responsibility is this, is to plant seeds. But I can't save anybody. That's God's work. God does the salvation, God does the saving. But we can plant seeds. And, and so my encouragement is this. Plant seeds, don't give up. Don't give up. We have a God that, that fills us with a hope that there, there is the possibility of resurrection in anyone's life. We got to look at our own life and say, if God could save me, he could save anybody. And do we have that humility to, to see that and just to continue to plant seeds, not giving up? And lastly, live boldly on God's strength. You know, the apostles did not share this message on their own strength. It was on God's strength. And it's going to be through prayer. It's going to be through seeking Him. It's going to be asking God, give me the words. Give me the, the wisdom on what to do. Just like Jesus told His disciples, like, don't try to do this on your own wisdom. Don't try to meditate on your own words. Like, no, like, ask God for the strength and what to say and what to do. See, with the disciples... What they needed was God's strength, and the same thing is true for me and you. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says this, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. See, there's times even in our younger years where we're like, man, I've got so much energy, but that's not enough. What we need is God's strength to help us and to push through and to get where we need to be, to live boldly for Him.
to live out the gospel. So as we wrap up today, I wanna challenge us with this. The message of Christianity is not built on you. It's not built on your ability, your strength. That's not the message here. And that's, that's as Peter and, and John are proclaiming, like, how'd this man get healed? It wasn't because of them. They said it was because of God. So the message is not built on you. It's built on Jesus. And at the end of the day, what we can see is that it's built on a relationship. You see, you might have not have all the answers, but Jesus became one of us. He came down from heaven to earth and became one of us. And the writer of the book of John is the one that was right here preaching in the book of Acts. And here's what he says about Jesus, because he, you know, John was Jesus's best friend. And John said that Jesus came to bring grace and truth. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Just the fact that when He was around Jesus, it changed Him. And what we're going to talk about in a little bit as we jump back into the book of Acts, is you're going to see that these men, it says that they, they knew that they had spent time with Jesus. And that's what made them who they were. And so my encouragement to you this week as you're thinking and just being thankful, be thankful that God's called us into a relationship by His grace and His mercy and that He's ultimately paid the price. And so will you build your life on that message? Will that be your worldview? And will you see the world through what God has done? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for just showing us that um, you used ordinary fishermen and that if you can use them, you can use us right where we're at. And so I just pray that your grace and mercy just flow into our lives and that we see that there is hope because of Christ and that we can share that good news and that nothing's holding us back. Nothing's holding us back from that. Because your power and your strength, is, it's, it's with us. You're in us. Your Holy Spirit is here. So please, Lord, speak to the hearts of those who are listening in today. Give us the strength we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.